And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, hustlers? Welcome back. This is Andrew Morgans, founder of Marknology, here as today's host of Startup Hustle. Uh, we're covering all things e-commerce, Amazon, startups, exit life, um, you name it. Today, we're going to be talking about balancing entrepreneurship with family, um, as well as a whole bunch of other things. Today's guest is absolutely um, a prize. I'm super excited to introduce you guys and get to know him a little bit better. Before I introduce him, let's give a shout out to today's episode sponsor, uh, Double, a flexible assistant service for busy executives that matches you with an experienced assistant. Today, it's easier than ever to hire a virtual assistant online, and no solution is better than Double. Double is a flexible assistant service built for busy founders, executives, or anyone looking to save time and focus on what matters most. Want to take control of your business and unlock a lot more productive version of yourself? Go to withdouble.com today and get 300 off your first month when you with, use the code HUSTLE22. That is withdouble.com. Use code HUSTLE22 and save $300. Today's guest, Mac, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to be here. Me and Matt connected um, through a, a mutual colleague um, for his company, Exit DNA, which we'll talk about a little bit, um, but works with founders to help them get prepared, get ready, get confident about you know preparing their business for Exit and, and doing all of those things. And we have yet to engage, but I have no doubt we will be working uh, you know together in the future. It's definitely something on my list to be as just absolutely prepared as I can be for when that time comes. Um, Mac, I know you have an incredible story. Um, you know, your bio is impressive. Uh, what we were talking about before the show started is impressive. I won't even get into all of that. Um, just a super great guy and, and referred to me by someone that I also respect uh, with Yoni. Um, and I know you helped Yoni and Escala, who I've personally used um, in the show. Let's get behind that and talk a little bit about who Mac was like in the early days. Um, you know, how did you become an entrepreneur? Is it something you always wanted to do? Did you go to school for business? Was it in the family? Go as far back as you like. Yeah, great. Well, um, I guess the backstory, a couple things really sort of shaped my life. Number one, most of my life um, as a kid growing up was soccer. You know, that was really my passion in life. All of my goals and dreams could be sort of defined as the level I wanted to play soccer. I wanted to play in college. I wanted to be a professional. I wanted to really sort of shape my life around this sport that I loved. And so seven days a week for most of my childhood, that was really my passion. Um, in a lot of ways, I, you know, I actually didn't even think about what I was going to do other than play soccer. As a matter of fact, yeah. college you know, I was very fortunate. I got a, a scholarship to a you know, top 10 uh, college program. Um, I was a collegiate All-American, but like all the way through college, my focus was playing soccer, eh, having fun. And, uh, and I just didn't really think beyond that. So that was a huge part of my life. And I'm sure we'll talk about it more later. I mean, I've been able to weave that into, 
you know, my, my business career quite a bit as well. The other thing that, that sort of shaped childhood for me is I'm an only child, awesome parents. Um, my father was a, a third shift engineer when I was young, didn't, didn't go to college. I mean, he was just a super hardworking work ethic guy and worked super hard to take our family from, you know, kind of, I don't know, middle class, I guess you would say, up to a, a much better position, primarily out of hard work. I mean, he really yeah. did an amazing job for our family. But at the dinner table, almost every night, he would just say, he would just talk about the frustrations of corporate America and the boss and the schedule and all those things. And he was, again, a very hard worker naturally. But I just kind of grew up thinking, I just don't want that. You know, he yeah. worked hard because he needed to and he did it for our family, but he wasn't super happy about it. And so, you know, later as, as I, um, I stopped playing soccer, I, I played professionally after college briefly, uh, realized that that life was going to come to an end. Thankfully, met someone uh, that I played soccer with that was a part of a startup and gave me an opportunity to join their kind of marketing group. And they were so small that every day I was doing something different. Day yeah. one, it's cold calls. Day two, taking out the trash and licking stamps. Day three, I'm learning to write code. And I fell in love with the entrepreneurial kind of startup vibe. So yeah. that was kind of how I got got started. Um, I convinced an engineer with that company to uh, resign with me about six months later, and we started our first company. So I, I got, I worked for about six months in a really small startup before I started my own first company. Okay. And the, let's talk about that first company. First of all, thank you for sharing that. You just dropped it. You're like, I played professional for a little bit. No big deal. That alone is, uh, you know, you just don't get into the majors in any professional sport in the U.S. Like, you know, it's it's um, a very hard thing to do. But I can also understand, I, I've been around a few people where that was their life. And then after that, they really, really struggled to find something that they cared about as much. Um, you know, for me, I was never, I was a pro in regards of, as a musician, in regards that I got paid and I was touring full time. Um, not at the same level as a professional sports, but my entire passion through school, I was doing school as an afterthought. And I was just a hundred percent into playing music. To me, it was curating products and brand and vibe. And uh, it was my chance to travel. I, I had so much I needed to learn and explore outside of like um, my upbringing. And so I was just like, it was only music. That's, that's, I was all in, um, you know, I had a line in the sand that was like, I don't want to be 30 still trying to play music and not getting paid like at that time, you know, cause I was in college. And, um, but I just remember being like, I'm going to give it, 150% till I like make it. And um, afterwards, it was a hard transition for me as well into like, okay, now I'm going to use this computer science degree, and I'm going to hide in a closet with no lights. And you know, like, it's kind of how they put you back in a back dark room. And I was just like, this is not like traveling and being on stage and getting a chance to perform. And um, it was a really hard adjustment. Um, but I will say like, when I found e commerce, which was like also a startup for me, that was like my first startup, it was absolutely like I had found it, I was like, this is, this is pretty intoxicating. Um, the competitive nature of it, I think. And then also just like, I hate saying ADD, ADHD, but it was like, kind of like that in the startup world, it was like, I'm doing all of these things and that alone was enough to keep me interested. Um, what was that first idea? What, what was that first idea for your first startup? Yeah, so a couple things are 
really important. You know, you, you, if you read enough studies, you realize the importance of timing in a startup uh, or an entrepreneur's life. And I had a couple of really interesting things happen timing wise. The first was, you know, this company I was working with was doing what back then we called multimedia software. So it was, you know, sound and animations, and it was really in the educational space. I had no passion for that in particular. I just love the startup vibe that it had. But we, this engineer and I really felt like all of the things we were doing in education were going to drive business where people were going to be using these same tools. They were going to be thinking the same way. And we went to the president of that company and said, we wanted to basically start a business division and there was no interest. So we resigned in the first quarter of 1995 and started what we called an internet company. We literally were launching an internet business right after Netscape launched the commercial web browser. So we were really, really early. And the reason I say that is that was a one of the best things that ever happened in my life is being so early in web one that we were ahead of the curve. You know, I found myself in my early to mid 20s standing at the front of boardrooms with, you know, Fortune 500 companies explaining to them about the internet in the future and um, really, you know, fell in love with that. And, and just we built a lot of value really quickly. It was we had a $10,000 loan to start the business, sold it three years later for eight figures. So we, wow. we you know, a ton of value really fast because we were early and we were taking risk and we were moving. And of course, after that, you know, liquidity event, selling my first company, you know, I literally checked off just about every life goal. I mean, because when you're young, all of my life goals were like, I want the red 911, I want the beach house, I want, you know, and so I didn't really think about life beyond material possessions. And I checked those off, you know, really, really early in life. And so it was a pretty pivotal moment in terms of what I was going to do with the rest of my life. And um, so, yeah, early, early internet company uh, started in 95. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. I, I can relate a little bit in the Amazon industry. You know, I've been doing this 11 years um, in front of a lot of people with a lot more money than me all the time, uh, you know, educating them on what it is to be successful on Amazon and within e-commerce and how to think holistically. And for me, it was very challenging in that um, it was hard to find a path to revenue early. There weren't a lot of people paying us for what we did. And, um, you know, I didn't go the route of like, you know, having capital to go buy products and sell those on Amazon. There's so many millionaires that were like, you know, had capital, even some of them put it on credit cards. I'm not saying everyone had a bunch of capital, but it just wasn't something that crossed my mind at that time. I was just on the services side doing it for others. Um, even in 95, as a kid, I was like, I was playing with the web. Um, I was in Africa and, and uh, hacking the satellite dish there to be able to get faster speeds and getting in the back end of websites and, um, you know, just having a lot of fun. And as a kid, there wasn't really, you know, now there's streamers and all these ways to make money. But back then it was for fun. Uh, a lot of it was for fun. Um, and then, you know, I, I definitely feel an advantage, like where it was super difficult at the beginning, now that it's in high demand, um, being like a first mover and having like these years of experience because you were, you were on something early, um, has definitely given me a different appreciation for like, um, you know, success rate of, of doing something that's, that's new and early. Um, okay. So startup number one, you exit it and I can relate to that too. I, although I haven't exited and that I like, you know, 
took care of my mom and my dad and have, you know, I have a Jeep, uh, a Jeep Wrangler that like was like, I always wanted this Jeep, um, you know, and I don't need a lot of like materialistic things personally. Like that's, you know, I'm very minimalistic in that way. And so I had checked these boxes and for a minute had lost my motivation uh, just because I don't just chase money for me. It's been just like, well, my quality of life is like really high. And this is really where I set the bar. Um, the second round has been, what can I do for others while I chase bigger goals, you know, but I definitely like 2018, even, which isn't that long ago, I started hitting some of these goals and was just like, well, these don't motivate me to get out of bed. Like to chase more money doesn't, doesn't motivate me to get out of bed. And it is something that like, I think entrepreneurs never think about till they're there. And then you're just like, why isn't my motivation as great as it's always been? Uh, and you're just like, well, if money is the only thing, it doesn't really drive me. So what, like, what age were you when you sold your first business? Can I ask? I think I was 20, uh, 26. Okay. 26. 26. Yeah. That's pretty young to have, like, checked all the boxes, you know? Um, what came after that? Walk me through it. Yeah, so um, probably because I, partially because I checked, you know, some of the boxes, but also I was having so much fun. It was still really early. We sold that business in 98. Um, and so basically, um, you know, we're still really early as it relates to what's now called the kind of the dot-com phase. And so I immediately started another company, which was a kind of fusion of everything I'd loved and learned from kind of that early internet space with my passion for soccer, which we talked about. I started a business, uh, cleverly named internetsoccer.com, sign of the times. Um, and really, I mean, that first business was interesting. I learned a ton. The second business, we started it, scaled it, um, became the largest producer of non-televised soccer content in the world very quickly. We sold it 14 months later for $15 million. And so I had this like crazy experience of flying around and doing deals and hiring really smart people and it was, it was an area I was so passionate about. I love the sport. Um, and so, of course, that was really peak. The one thing I didn't mention is in March of 2000, we had a term sheet from a group out of New York for a big venture investment. And about a week after we got the term sheet, the NASDAQ crashed, you know, the dot-com bubble burst. And in so many ways, um, I'm thankful we didn't take the term sheet because the business I'm positive would have gone under. And so instead of, you know, raising $15 million, we sold the company for $15 million and we split the money. And so I learned a really, really valuable lesson there about, you know, again, this exit process and raising capital and the impact that all of those things have, because if I would have raised that money, even if it weren't for the dot-com, you know, bubble crashing, I would have had to build that company to probably, 75 to $100 million in value for me to get the same exact amount of money that I got the day I sold it for $15 million. Mm. And a lot of entrepreneurs don't understand that. So I learned that really early in life, which again, affected a lot of my future kind of endeavors. But um, you know that, that business, was an, I still look back on it as one of the most interesting and fun times in my life because it happened so quickly. Um, the other thing I'll mention, and I'm happy to go as deep as you want in this, but I sold that business in July of 2000. 30 days later, 
my first daughter was born. So August of 2000. And that moment literally changed everything I thought about business, life, the world. And I made a really interesting decision because at that time, my whole persona, like everything I thought about myself was I'm this high-flying entrepreneur. I'm a tech guy. I'm flying all over the world. I'm doing deals. I'm, and I, you know, my wife, you know, thankfully was understanding, but she would call me some days at the office and say, you need to come home. You haven't been home in two days. I'd fall asleep on the floor in the office and get up and keep going. I just didn't stop. And so I said, you know what? I don't want to be the kind of dad that's not there for my daughter. Mm. I made a decision and a commitment to this little girl who honestly, of course, you know, didn't, didn't know what I was saying to her when she arrived in the world that I wasn't going to miss anything. I was absolutely committed to be home at dinner, coach the soccer team, carve the pumpkins, go to the play at two o'clock in the afternoon. I was going to be the dad that was always there. And everyone around me at the time was telling me, Mac, you know, you, you can't, you can't be an entrepreneur like you're, you want to do and be home all the time with your daughter. And the you know, other people were like, well, you know, you're going to have to pick, you're going to have to choose. And I just said, I'm not willing. I, I want to continue to build companies that I love, that I'm passionate about, and I'm not going to miss it a moment for my daughter. And the reason it's relevant is in 2019, when I, I dropped that little girl off for her freshman year at NYU, I could look back and say, you know what? I just didn't miss anything, but I also built and sold four more companies over those 19 years. So I, I know that you can do both. And I was, ha I literally had everyone telling me I couldn't at the time. So it's a, it's a, it's one of those moments. You know, if you look back over your life, it's like, man, that decision was one of the single best things I ever did for not only my, my family, which was my top priority, but also it really helped my business life. So, yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's, um, that's something that all of us could, you know, not only appreciate, but desire for ourselves. You know, we're talking about balancing uh, entrepreneurship and family today, you know, and I'm someone that works with my family. I kind of did that on purpose uh, to be near them. I'm glad that they said yes, but like I've built my life very intentionally, like a life by design um, to be able to live the life I want, the quality of life with the people I want to build with, because I am absolutely all in on what I'm doing. And, um, if, if I wasn't doing it with them or beside them, um, I would really struggle and I might have to change the way that I'm all in. But what I did instead was to build, uh, you know, a co companies around people that I wanted to do life with. And it's kind of like by default, we get to win, uh, you know, win together. Uh, that's not, it's not easily done. And some people can't work with family and some people, you know, can't create those boundaries for me too, like in a relationships, um, I put relationships on hold. I wasn't previously married, but I put them on hold till I built the business to a certain level. And really the last two or three years um, outside of bringing the family in, have had to work really hard and able to like get myself prepared to have relationships, you know, outside of the business. Because when you're obsessive about something, when you're truly trying to pioneer, like I feel like I'm trying to pioneer the Amazon industry uh, from nothing. Um, and then, you know, just a long way to climb as a, as a person from, my own skills and opportunity and background and upbringing and, and opportunities and network, they were at zero. So it was like, you know, everyone starts somewhere differently. Like even thinking about your second business, you already had, a, had an eight figure exit. Um, you know, and I, what I've realized too, is that like when you're in fight or flight mode, 
there isn't really any ability to step back and really look at like, okay, this is how I want my life to be, or these are the boundaries I want, or this is the father I want to be. You're just like trying to eat. You're just, you know, like, like your dad, you know, for example, he was just working super, super, super hard. Didn't see it probably other options at that time. And and not to mention that like some of the way we're living our lives today is wasn't even possible then. like, you know, you couldn't work and take meetings virtually and like still be at home. Like, so you get that hour commute back and like, you know, some of the things that we can do are just not possible. So um, amazing. Okay. So, and I've also like, uh, not as an entrepreneur, but I've 100% seen baby girls like turn men around, you know, my, my, some of my close friends are amazing single dads actually. And um, their, their daughters save their lives, you know? So I, I've witnessed that and seen the impact of that. And then also I personally have a belief that if you make a promise like you made that day, um, I think you said 99 or two, 2000. Um, when you make a promise with the universe, with God, with yourself, uh, like you make this promise, you speak it out, you say it. When you honor that, I believe like you keep your promise either to yourself or the universe or God, whatever you want to insert here. I 100% believe that there is a um, a blessing attached to that, regardless of what that promise is. Like if you say it and you keep it, it's like a karma thing. And the universe yeah. has a way of like really like respecting that promise. Um, so super amazing that you lasted. Was she 19? 19. Uh, so now she's 22. Uh, she's a senior in, in uh, I have yeah, two girls. My oldest is a senior in college. My youngest just started her freshman year in college. So um, yeah, that, that, uh, at both both girls had a huge impact on my life in, in so many ways. But but yeah, that decision, mainly because even though I had some financial resources, for sure, you know, when you look it in the mirror, and like, you see yourself as like an entrepreneur, and everyone was telling me like, well, you, that's got to go away. Like, yeah, you could you could, you know, semi retire and be a stay at home dad. Sure. But you can't like run companies that are going to be successful. And be home for dinner at five o'clock. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure it out. I don't know how yet, but I'm going to do it. And, and so many things to your point, which I completely agree with conspired to help me because I made that decision. And I just, you know, one of the biggest, which I talk about a lot when I'm mentoring entrepreneurs these days is the first couple of times that I got up in, I was running a meeting for a startup that I was building the first couple of times I stood up at, you know, 445 in the afternoon and got up and literally started walking towards the door, you could see everyone being like, what is he doing? And I was like, I have dinner with my daughter and and like no one understood what I was doing. One, to me, it was a commitment. But the most important thing that happened there was all of a sudden the company started changing where people were like, all right, well, we got to be able to run these meetings in Max's absence. Max is going to stand up and leave. Who's going to run the meetings? Who's going to prepare? Who's going to? So all of a sudden the tide, you know, all these people that got kind of thrown in the deep end were rising to the occasion. They learned quicker. They were more valuable as employees and teammates. And it freed me up even more because the faster they grew and learned in the organization, the more freedom I had. So it was this great, great cycle that I, you know, almost an unintended consequence of the commitment of like, I'm going to stand up and leave, even if I'm in the middle of a presentation, because I'm going home at five o'clock, you know, that's leading, that's leading uh, with action and not just words, I think in like, you know, whenever you're able to do that for yourself allows them to do it for them. And very much believe so like, um, in that empowering process, like, did you have, um, 
where was that business at? Where were you located in the world at that time? I'm just curious. Uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Charlotte, North Carolina. I do think like the culture like matters. Like if you're around people that are, you know, they travel a lot or versus you're around blue collar guys, you're around like, you know, Kansas City is, is Bible Belt in some ways. Like it's just a different culture uh, mm. for what's allowed and what's not. And I don't think, you know, I definitely had some, I was a little intimidated to put out my own story. Like if you go on marknology.com, you can see my story there. Um, because I talk about working with family and I just give the real rawness of it and, uh, you know, kind of my path. And there was a part of me that was like, oh, I just don't know how this is going to come across with a Fortune 500 company or yada, yada, you know, to see us as a family business. Um, but what I really learned is that it attracted the companies that I wanted to work with, ones that had the same values. Um, and that was, a, that was a hidden thing I didn't know, you know, I didn't think of originally, but there's a lot of companies that really, really appreciate you know, that and that those boundaries and that mission. So I have a few more questions before I jump in a shout out to our sponsor. Uh, when people ask me what my best advice for building a business, most of, most of the time it involves the team and knowing when to delegate. Today, I'd like to add that knowing when to hire an assistant is key too. It's usually the hardest thing for a startup founder to do because they want to feel so close to everything. Plus finding an assistant is too hard to do right. Well, it doesn't have to be when you connect with our friends over at Double. The experts in pairing founders with remote executive assistants you can trust. Double will match you with experienced U.S.-based assistants and arm them with tools and training to ensure you are getting the best of the best. Startup Hustle listeners can go to withdouble.com, use code HUSTLE22, and save 300 right off the bat. That is withdouble.com, use code HUSTLE22, and save 300. Okay, so that was that was a perfect timing to, to bring that up, you know, considering you were you were relying on your team to kind of take over for you and be able to scale and hand some of that stuff off. And I'm sure uh, Exit DNA, as we kind of alluded to before, is really your company that helps uh, mentor and coach, you know, other founders to figure out how to scale and how to get themselves out of some of those jobs and like something I'm very much living. Um, talk to me now about life um, after your daughters have gone to college and what it looks like balancing um, family time with them, maybe when they're not at the dinner table and, you know, it's it's evolved a little bit. Talk to me about like, today what that looks like for you yeah it's it's you know it's kind of a i guess like a bittersweet process you know i i'm so thankful looking back that i spent the time that i did with them because i think for a lot of people myself included when your kids go to college you know when your oldest goes it's a we it's a weird feeling you know that they're leaving but you still have one if you have multiple kids you still have a, a child at home, perhaps. Um, and so it's not quite as dramatic. And you have this sense that, well, it's just for the the semester, then they'll be back for Christmas, or it's just for the year, and then they'll be back for the summer. But, you know, just in the past few years, you know, I've kind of gone through this full cycle of, like, my older daughter, you know, she's at NYU, she's doing great. She's, you know, did an internship this summer in New York. And it's like, wow, you know, she may never actually live at home again. And, and like that sinks in and you're like, wow, did I, did I teach her the right things? Did I spend enough time with her? Because I don't have that chance anymore. Because the relationship is, is great. It's just very different. Now it's like text messages and maybe a quick call on a, you know, FaceTime on a Sunday because she's busy. You know, she's working hard and, and doing really well and kind of moving into her life. Um, and then when my youngest daughter went, to, uh, to school about a month and a half ago, I guess it was for her freshman year, 
then all of a sudden it was like, wow, you know, the house is quiet. Um, things have definitely changed. And luckily, I, I feel very blessed in that, you know, my wife and I, we've been married 26 years now, and I still want to spend time with my wife. You know, we, we have several friends who literally have been planning over the past couple of years for as soon as the kids leave, their divorce proceeds, you know, and like they're just waiting to and you know, shift gears. And I, I mean, I obviously I feel very, very fortunate that my wife and I miss our girls and I want to spend every chance I can with them. Holidays, I'll travel to visit them. Hopefully they come continue to see us. But but I'm also excited about the next chapter with my wife, which is it's been a long time that we could make decisions just she and I, what do we want to do, you know, where, where do we like, want to go? <laughs> like, let's go to Spain four times in the last month or something like yeah. that. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah. She's going with me again uh, this coming week. So, so yeah, it's been a, it's been a change. Um, I, I do feel, like I said, very fortunate that I, I, I mean, I made mistakes. I made a million mistakes like all of us do. I wish I would have done certain things differently, but I am so thankful that I prioritized the time with them because when you get to this point, it is gone. I mean, there is no looking back and being like, oh, maybe just one more month, we could do more together. It's like, oh, you missed that boat. So um, so I would encourage anyone that's in that earlier phase with their with their kids and their family, like really take that seriously, because I know it's possible to prioritize for family and still be successful in however you define that. Um, and you don't want to regret that one. No, and I think... Um... Something that's kind of interesting is like I'm kind of coming at this um, from uh, the other perspective, which is, you know, I had just a, a very interesting upbringing in that I grew up in Africa with my family in, in Congo and in Cameroon, like some very remote, unique places. And, and it really bonded us together. Um, I came back to the U.S. and we had a lot of religious differences. And so. Um, you know, around 18, I, I went after the music thing in college and was like doing my own thing and really spent about seven or eight years away from my sisters and my family. Not like we weren't fighting or anything like that. It was just like, I needed to be myself and, and, you know, needed to be away. And, um, I didn't really realize how much I missed that dynamic. And I know not, not everyone has the best families and, you know, I'm speaking in generalities, but for me, I had a great family and, um, you know, it was, um, I went through relationships, heartbreak and things like that and different things in life, uh, you know, brought up different challenges. But my sisters actually, um, both with de degrees in engineering and equestrian science, gave those up to come build Marknology with me. And um, for the first time in maybe seven or eight years, all of a sudden I felt super empowered. You know, I had this unconditional love aspect back around me. And if you don't think that that matters when it comes to business and it comes to like, you know, the stress and the different things that happen like that, um, I wasn't married. Right. So I didn't have that significant other with that kind of love. And, and you know, getting my sister's background, I just didn't know how much I missed that that element and that support element. And, um, you know, I've been we've been absolutely blessed the last few years to even be able to take care of my parents, which was the second step. They had split up about five years ago. And so um we're just like figuring life out on their own quite a bit older in life. And, and, you know, the company didn't see it this way because we had our differences early, but the company was actually able to help me pull my family back together um, in regards to just, you know, being able to get, spend time together and get to know them and be able to take care of them. And so I'm the kid that went away to college or whatever that's now going the opposite direction. And I, and I just really appreciate like the value of family. And I saw some stats um, 
in regards to just like you know the beginning of your life you spend like this much amount of time with your parents and after that it's like a very small percentage of like actual hours um you know with family and so if you're not living with them if you're not doing life like that it's just like what a sunday dinner or a call or you know it becomes very very minimal um but this is the first time in my life where we haven't been fight or flight mode as a family for the most part and so um being able to like you know for me a big thing i did last year the goal of mine and i took each of my parents on a solo trip we had never done anything like that um you know so i took my mom to california and we hung out on the beach and you know did some stuff and i took my dad to alaska and we went on some he is the only state he hadn't been to wow. and um that for me like setting aside a week for each of them when i like don't feel like i have a week you know is was like a really big thing that i will always look back and appreciate you know and it's something i'm trying to do as a kid to the parent going forward to be able to be like i'm trying to set aside time for us um so just a little bit different where it's not my kids leaving the nest it's more so like i've left the nest and i i want to try to figure out how to design my life to have that element in um as i get older so just just some food for thought just trying to think about you know what balance looks like for me as someone who doesn't have kids but that uh as a kid is trying to make time for for my siblings and my parents and things like that um it's not easy you know and i think that as an entrepreneur if you're super competitive which i know most professional athletes are like of the most elite you know just drive and co competitiveness like you see success with athletes that leave like professional sports all the time because it's the same elements that you need to be successful in almost anything you know um and you see like whenever you're a super competitive person um you just fill those gaps you fill all that time you're trying to be successful uh you're trying to win and when you're an entrepreneur you can literally work 24 7. so it becomes like you just you know i wasn't really taught balance uh like i was taught absolutism you know so like for me finding balance looks differently um but something that i'm very very i read a lot I'm trying to figure out answers there's not really a path that just says like hey this is what balance looks like for you yeah. you know um talk to me about you know exit dna and um you know some of the things you're working with there i know we don't have an exact agenda for this we're really talking about balancing with family but talking about trying to get help and trying to get like you know strategies and methods and ways of thinking around that i know you help with other topics as well um talk to me how exit dna came about and what you do yeah it's um so exit dna really happened almost by accident so you know back in 2018 i sold my last company and at that point i had one thing i had never done is between you know after i sell a business for 25 years i always had the next one either ready to go or in my mind or in process. And I'd really never taken the time to sort of step back and say, what did I do well? What did I, what mistakes that I made? You know, what would I like to do in the future? And I, I did that. I actually took some time and, and really thought about kind of backwards looking, you know, all the things that I felt like I had, you know, made mistakes and I would do differently because clearly I wanted to spend my future trying to optimize for things I wanted that I did well and I want to do more of. And um, about that time, as I was kind of going through this, you know, mental analysis, I got invited to speak at a mastermind. And the gentleman that invited me, I, I think he thought I was kidding. I was like, I don't know what a mastermind is. And he was like, you got to be kidding me. And I was like, I was like, look, for 25 years, there were two things in my life. There was whatever business I was running and my family. I didn't go to events. I didn't speak. 
the day before the Super Bowl. I couldn't tell you who was playing in it. Like I was heads down focused. So I don't know what a mastermind is. So long story short, they convinced me to come out and speak to this entrepreneurial group at a mastermind. And I said, look, I'm not a good speaker. It's, I've never done it. And they said, well, just, just share your stories of your exit journey. You've had six exits. That's pretty un, unusual. This is a whole audience full, full of entrepreneurs, many of which will probably want to exit in the future. So tell your story. And um, so that's what I did. I got up and I kind of talked about mistakes I made, a few things that I thought I'd done well, just tried to add value, share as much as I could. As soon as I walked off the stage, a group of entrepreneurs kind of came like jogging up to me and said, I need your help. You know, everything you just said, I have never heard before. Like I've got an investment banker, I've got CPAs and attorneys, and they're all helping me think about, do I sell? Do I raise money? And, and what you just said, I've never heard from any of them. And I was thinking, I don't know what I said, because I don't think I said anything impressive. But what really resonated, and it makes sense in hindsight, is I made a comment that of my six companies, I had never sold for a financial multiple. I'd never sold for an EBITDA multiple or a revenue multiple. All those metrics to me were a fraction of what I thought the value of my companies were. They were, they were strategically important to the people that bought them. And they were like, how do you do that? How do you build a company that way? And so I realized in that moment, you know, again, I'd been heads down for so long that what I had learned, I was very fortunate. I mean, six exits is, is unique. And, but what I didn't realize is, you know, if I look back, I talked about my first exit. Again, it was eight figures. It was great. Second, you know, business, eight figure exit. But I also left millions of dollars on the table just by not knowing how to structure the deal and not knowing how to negotiate. And what dawned on me that day when this group came up to me is for all of these people that statistically they may, if they're really lucky, have one exit in their entrepreneurial life and it is the biggest financial opportunity of their lives. And most people are not going to maximize that because it's mm. going to be this is their first time, right? They they're building an e-commerce company. They're Amazon experts. They're engineers. They're not, you know, guys that know how to exit or girls that know how to sell a company. So I created Exit DNA as, a, as a, a framework to really help people set their companies up so that if and when they want to sell, they're going to be confident that they're going to do that at maximum value. And it's been really, really rewarding for me because I really didn't want to start another company. I wanted to help. I wanted to mentor, invest a little bit. And, and now I'm getting to kind of help founders and entrepreneurs on this really important part of the journey and watch how when I open their eyes to different ways to think about if you should sell or not, or when you should sell or who you should sell to, that has been super rewarding. And the results have been, you know, great. I mean, it's people, we had a lot of really nice exits from our members last year. Um, even in the middle of really rough market conditions, we had, you know, one company almost, almost a um, nine figure exit, all cash. Wow. Um, not to take credit for that, but just just the fact that these companies all come in with the same mindset of either I don't know how to exit, I certainly don't know how to maximize value, and what everyone is telling me is I'm probably going to get five times EBITDA or eight times EBITDA or whatever the metrics are, and I'm like, don't even talk about that. <laughs> so right, yeah, that's kind of what I've been working on, and it's, it's been really fun. 
I think it's um super refreshing. And before like meeting you, you know, I haven't heard um much of that being said. I'll be honest with you, Mac. And I'm definitely like really obsessing about the MA space. Like I've got equity in 15 companies. Um, you know, I've had to arrange those deals and and like you know, figure it out on the fly. I have yet to exit those, but I've just gotten the equity in them, you know, and so trying to position myself and really learn about this Amazon space and agency space, which is a whole nother thing. And, you know, you get a lot of legal um, around you and legal things completely different than an entrepreneur, right? Like, so um, they just, you know, and, and you start thinking like, there's a part of you that's like, well, I feel like my team is the ultimate secret sauce. Like the team that I've built, someone else can't build. Like, you know, it doesn't matter what money you have. You can't build this. That's an intangible. Um, and if there hasn't been someone ahead of you, kind of like selling in a house market, like if there's no one in your zip code that's like sold a house at this certain price point, it's super difficult. Yeah. Um, but you're like, but my house, I don't care. My house has this, 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 you know, and um, it takes almost like someone that, that is an entrepreneur that's done it to then advise backwards versus like your counsel team, your CPA team, you know, they're all risk assessors like, or, or whatever. And, and it's like, you know, for me, I, I've been building a company to be the best agency in space, um, not to hit a, an EBITDA multiple, at least on my first, like, you know, I've been a part of 12 exits. Uh, and I'm not saying I take credit for those. I was there to help build them similar to you, like helping coach someone probably to exit. There's a, a reward system built in that I appreciate. That's why I, I value what I do. I feel like we help not just help people, but help brands and, and make them look better and get better valuations and, and all kinds of things. It's a rewarding thing. Um, I don't think it's taking credit at all. I wanted to kind of fix that. If you've had a part in it, you know, you're involved. It would be to say like, Hey, we built these brands. We had nothing to do with them exiting. That's not true. That's not <laughs> true. You know, we help build them. So, um, super, super amazing and just refreshing. Um, you know, where can people, like we're coming up on time a little bit because I could just keep picking your brain, I promise you, all day long. Um, but, you know, where can people find more about Exit DNA and, um, you know, and what what's a piece of advice um, you would give a founder that's just starting to begin to look into like, you know, what it might be to exit? So, yeah, Exit, exit DNA, you know, the I guess the simplest way to, to look into it is the, the website ExitDNA.com. Okay. I have a personal website, MacLackey.com, that talks about a little bit of my background and philosophy and then talks about exit DNA as well. But I think there are, you know, one of the, the scariest things to me uh, for entrepreneurs is that the path of least resistance when it comes time to sell your business. And most, most entrepreneurs get to the point where they need or want to sell. They're not really being overly strategic about timing you know, I do this whole session on the five factors that you have to consider to optimize your exit. And so people usually optimize for one. And that could be that you personally need money. You need to buy a house or pay off debt or you need to fund your kid's college. And that's one driver. But if you ignore all of these other things, it's almost guaranteed that you're not going to maximize what's going on in your industry, what's going on in the macroeconomic environment, you know, all these things that come into play. So a lot of the philosophy of exit DNA is you don't wait until you're ready to sell in six months or even one year. You start right now doing little things that compound over time. It's like Einstein's you know, eighth wonder of the world, compounding interest. If you do little things that we share in exit DNA to prepare, it could be 15 minutes a week over the course of two years, that 15 minutes can compound into 
another million dollars in your exit. It's like little compounds, right? And so one big thing that I always recommend is start a lot earlier than you think you need to, because if you need to sell and the markets are not great, like, unfortunately, that's the market you have. You better have done every other thing you can to maximize value. <laughs> and so starting early is a big one. And the other is the path of least resistance. We talked about financial multiples. Everybody you go to is going to say they're going to do comps just like they do for houses. Companies like yours sell for five to eight times EBITDA or 1.2 times last 12 months revenue, whatever the metrics are unique to your industry. And what they never tell you, because it's not what they're good at, is the people that are in your industry that are likely to pay those kind of multiples, the larger version of who you are. So if you, you personally decided to sell your agency, the path of least resistance is find a bigger agency, one that's two to three to 10 times bigger that tends to be the worst buyer, not the worst in terms of culture and obvious stuff, but the one least likely to pay you a premium. The, the yep. people that pay premiums are the ones are that can't do what you do. Yeah, they're in different industries and they want to do what you do. They're trying to figure out how to get into what you do and they have to buy their way in. Those are the yep. ones that no typical investment banker or M&A advisor or attorney, transaction attorney, they always go to the path of least resistance. And I'm always saying, okay, add those to the list. Let's go way over here and find people that want to be in your space where the strategic value is so high that it doesn't matter. And there's so many examples, you know, why does Facebook buy, you know, WhatsApp for $19 billion? It's not because of an EBITDA multiple. They weren't making money yet. <laughs> they needed to be in that space. You know, why does Google buy a division of Motorola. Google Amazon didn't buy Whole Foods. Yeah, they, they right. do that for, it, that's a great example too. They do that because they need the strategic value that someone else has created. So as an entrepreneur, you have to be focused on that stuff or it doesn't mean it's awful, but you're just going to end up kind of with that path of least resistance. And I know the difference, you know, adding another million or 2 million to your exit, depending on the size of your company could be the difference between you retiring your parents and doing yep. what you want the rest of your life or being like, hey, that was great. Now I got to go get another job. <laughs> no, Mac, I, lo I love that. And something I can relate to on a little bit granular level because I think it's so relatable is like for me, as I've scaled my agency in the Amazon space, I don't like working with Amazon, what they call Amazon FBA sellers. So basically like private label sellers. Um, that is my community. That's where we've gotten our start. That's who I like, you know, has helped build this industry. At the same time, there's someone that did it themselves at one point, and they don't value the services of a full service agency when it comes to content branding and these types of things, versus you pair up with like a fortune 500 company that has no one inside of their company with any kind of experience like this. And they're open, they're just so thankful for the learnings, you know, they're willing to pay for this because this is something they don't have. Um, completely different experience doing the same work, really, you know, so uh, it's not just about the revenue, it's about like, being appreciated as a consultant and, you know, as, and as a team, and then those services being valued. So not not on the exit side, but even in the in the business of what I do day to day, um, working with someone that does what we do, not valued as much harder relationship, um, working with someone that's like, 
not they they have their experience in retail or something like that for example and then they bolt us on as a team and it's just like wow the relationship piece goes so much better as feel us like they value us um very well said and then an amazing tip um we have to go because we're at time but it has been a pleasure having you on the show mac and um i can't wait to connect again i know we'll be working together soon exit dna is in the roadmap for me at least um you know i've been doing a lot of work the last few years like you said, those 15 minutes a week, even like, you know, just getting stuff prepared and, and, and building for it. And it, it has been paying off. I'm the most long game, probably young person you'll ever meet. Uh, just Smart. because the things I've wanted in life have been far ahead of me. And so it took a long game kind of strategy to get them. Um, so um, just a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Shout, shout out again to our sponsor. Um, today's episode of Startup Puzzle is sponsored by Double. Double's remote executive assistants can help you with everything from email and calendar organization to expense reporting and database management. Find your perfect assistant today. Head over to withdouble.com. Use cut hustle 22 to get 300 off. Even easier, click on the link in the show notes. While you're there, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you can be always sure to find your daily dose of startup hustle. I'm going to have Mac's uh, website um, and links as well in the bio, um, everyone. So you can find that if you're listening in the car, just look up the episode and you can find his links. Um, we'll see you next time, guys. Mac, thanks again. Thanks for having me. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.